do we over empathize so much at work that we forget to do that at home in UX design? Just like a doctor is spending so much time thinking about health at their workplace, but then they forget to be healthy with themselves at home. A really great operations person, they do their best work when they are unseen. Like they're, you know, everything is executed flawlessly. People know what they need to do to show up and they understand what is expected of them when they show up. You are giving people legs. You are you are amplifying their value by, by again, removing all the other stuff that they would otherwise have to think about so they can go there and do their job. You know, I'm not, I'm not quite comfortable. I'm a little frustrated right now. I'm a little frustrated. Good frustration. I'm, I'm happy with my life. I love my job. The people around here are incredible. But I'm frustrated. Why? Like, why am I frustrated? What am I trying to accomplish? And again, lean into those periods of frustration and figure out either your simplified plan or, or a series of things that you want to test and experiment. And that's what I did. And I created this my, what I call the big-ass career planning framework. What's up, everybody? I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer. So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Jackie Ajax. Jackie is currently the Senior Design Operations Lead at Roblox. Before Roblox, she worked at Electronic Arts as the Design Operation Manager. Now, it may sound to you that Jackie knew she wanted to do design operations from the start, but as you would hear later in the episode, that was actually not at all the case. In fact, Jackie actually has pivoted from multiple careers, including from psychology, project management, and product management. And what underlies all these career pivots? Jackie's incredible openness and curiosity to try new things. To give an example, in the future, her dream is to create her own anime show and publish it on Crunchyroll. Like seriously, how cool is that? In this conversation, I really enjoyed my chat with Jackie. There was a lot of laughters in this one. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jackie Ajax. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Really happy to be here. Likewise. So I wanted to start by um, learning about your background. So I know that you studied psychology as an undergrad. Then it seems like you pivoted to project management, then product management, and now you're doing design operations. Um, For any listeners listening, that might be a lot of terms I just spelled out. Walk me through these different career pivots. Like, why were there so many of these pivots and what leads to each of those pivots during your career? Yeah, wow. Great question. When I was in my 20s, it was a time of high volatility, lots of big ideas, and a lot of unknowns. I didn't really know where where I wanted to go because... Stepping all the way back when I was an undergrad, I, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Mm. I, I was in biology, psychology, 
did the double major and and soon realized, hey, I one, I can't deal with blood, but two, this probably mm. is not the right field for me. And from that, I had to very quickly, and that happened late in my undergrad. So very quickly I had to figure out, okay, I'm going to graduate with psychology, but what can I do with that? How do I apply that? Mm-hmm. And it, there was, again, a lot of volatility trying to figure out how do I move forward into something that I can apply practically. One of the big things in your 20s is you're leaning on your network, right? You, it's the people that you know. It's a time when you have a really big community of people. You're seeing people all the time. So I leaned on my community and someone offered information about project management. And I'm like, wow, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but mm. it sounds kind of like in my, in my realm, that's something where, you know, you're helping people get things done. I've always been naturally inclined to helping people get things done, direct them, help lead. And one of the things that I, I did was I, I took a certificate program after my grad school or undergrad to get certified in project management. Mm-hmm. And I was soon hired at Stanford University. Um, and effectively what happened is like to fast forward, kind of boring stories, like, hey, I did project oh, no. management for you. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, did project management. And then I was a contractor there for about a year mm-hmm. where I, I like, I, I'm a doer. Like I'm, I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I will get things done. Like, and I'm going to do it the best way that I can and try to bring people along with me in that journey. Mm-hmm. And I was soon uh, hired at Stanford full-time uh, employee as, and became a product manager. And again, I asked the question, wait, what's that? What's a product yeah. manager? And one of the big things that is important to me is, is really owning my craft and owning what it is that I do. Uh, I, I, don't, I never want to come into a situation and not put my best effort, put my best foot forward. And so... I was like, okay, all right, product manager, you got it. I'm going to I'm going to get a master's degree. I have it all planned out. Take my GRE and start my master's in software management at Carnegie Mellon. And I did that for 2 years part-time while I worked. And at that same time when I worked at Stanford, I was also getting to learn a little bit about, you know, user experience design, service mm-hmm. design, and you know, again, I was in my 20s. Wait, what's that? And I, I just started to hear and learn and grasp and be open to the to the ideas and concepts that I didn't understand and fearlessly walking into these situations and, and asking the questions, what, what is that? I don't know anything about this, but I want you to be my community. I want to kind of get to understand what this is. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say to your listeners, and, and one of the big things, the big takeaways is that your 20s is it's like a dress rehearsal. You know, you are, you are trying, you should try 12 things and 10 out of those 12 will probably fail. And that's okay. Like that, your twenties are, are, are fine. You're not done and baked when you're out of, out of college. And so, um, having this growth mindset, I, I started to accumulate a lot of information from grad school, from my product management role that I was working at, and also being part of these communities in HCI at Stanford. And what I realized was, crap, <laughs> I want to do design. <laughs> like, I, what am I doing here? And so I took a class at, in, at Carnegie Mellon. I fell in love with HCI, and I asked the professor, Paolo Malabuyo, who is a uh, director at Google, Mm. Uh, I was like, Paolo, how do I get in? Like my background, how do I break in? And that was imposter syndrome speaking because if I really wanted to, I could have done it. But 
you know, at that point in time in my life, I was like, okay, I need, I need to check, you know, nine out of 10 boxes. I need to be the best applicant first before I even figure out how to step into this role. Um, and he basically pointed out, Hey, have you considered design operations? Mm. Hey, what's that? And so, you know, every time I have, you have to ask these questions and be open to the world of possibility. And that basically blossomed into a journey of deciding to leave Stanford, finish my graduate degree, do a boot camp to really quickly understand very broadly and not a lot of depth. What is UX design? What is UX research? And it validated exactly what I wanted. I was, yes, I want to do this. And so all within a time span of maybe three months, I graduated from my boot camp, graduated from Carnegie Mellon, and I was hired at EA as their first design operations lead. And that's where my journey started. That's that's how I got into design operations. And I, I mean, I, I love design so much and design thinking that mm-hmm. one, I, I don't think I'm ever going to leave, but two, um, you know, I, I found a, I've found a lot of joy and comfort being able to help a community of people that I personally have a lot of love for, mm. um, and you know, I'm, I'm rooting from the sidelines always to help them be their best selves. And, and through that, I've built some really great uh, relationships. So, question: you want you always want to start with questions. You want to be open to possibility and, and pivot. You know, use a de- design thinking mindset. There's no one right path for anybody. Um, it's just finding that path and quickly pivoting or persevering and moving forward from there. Love that. There were so many good things that I noted down. I realized that through those career pivots, there was always a pattern of you being curious, um, you being very proactive and like learning about the thing that you don't know. And also, yeah, just keeping an open mindset. I mean, I can tell you, I could tell you a hundred thousand things that I tried that didn't work. I mean, I wish it was that clean of like, hey, it didn't really work. You know, I wish it was a very clean right. shift. But in between all of that was essentially I grasped at a lot of things, tried a lot of it and very quickly, very, very quickly figured out, okay, that's not for me. That's not for me. This is not right. I don't want to start my own business. Uh, you know, I like, trying to figure out very quickly, you know, where, where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? Where do I invest my time? So it's been, it's been a fun, fun journey. And I would assume that as you age up, like once you leave that 20s, that period of time, it'll be much harder for anybody to be as explorative. And also, I guess like, yeah, be as explorative with like different fields. You know, I would challenge that. I would definitely challenge that because I am, I'm in a, in a period again of, hyper growth. And so when I think about my twenties, I think about like the standard deviation of change Mm -hmm. is is very small. Like I am changing all the time, much quicker and much more nimbly than I would in my thirties, but change is still happening. There is, there is volatility and it might not be right for everybody, but for that segment of people that continually want to learn, understand that there's so much they don't know Mm -hmm. are excited by the possibilities of what they can become there's still continual change i think um especially with myself if i if i were to just to talk about my experience there's um and i'm happy to talk about it more but Mm -hmm. there's a lot that i still want to do a lot that i still want to accomplish and now i have greater means to do that i have a lot of lessons learned uh from my 20s and 
you know, you just kind of build on top of those lessons, become more to improve your experience, to improve your knowledge and to again, level up, you know, you're leveling up to, all right, I got, I got an armor upgrade. I got a, I got a uh, intelligence upgrade. My skill points are, my skills tree is a lot more fleshed out, but there's a lot more that I can do and invest in. I would also like to bring it back to the present a little bit, um, because I know you're currently the design operation lead at Roblox. And when I first joined, that was the first time I heard the term design operation. I've never heard of it before. It was only until um, our first call, um, which I cannot remember when it was, probably a while back. But um, I think for the <laughs> listeners who's just hearing design operations for the first time, how would you describe the term I'm going to read the only thing I'm going to read in this call, um, but I, I, I haven't memorized it. So um, Norman Nielsen describes it as the orchestration and optimization of people, processes, and craft in order to amplify design's value and impact at scale. Taking a whole step back, what is one, what does that mean? <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very vague. You're like, or orchestration. That's not a word we use daily. Okay. A series of words. You <laughs> know, <laughs> the processes, people, so everything. Um, yes and no. And so breaking it down and and connecting this to my past experience. So I actually, let's talk about orchestration. And I played the double bass when I was in high school. I was in an orchestra. And when we think about orchestra, let's just think about a big symphonic orchestra. There's, there's the maestro, right? He's, he's right in front. He's going to be conducting the entire orchestra and all the strings, the wind, um, everybody. There's, you have the first seat, you have, you know, the principal folks that are really good at what they do. They're highly specialized and they're the ones that do the solos or are featured in the song. And you have the score, you have the papers in front of you that you read in order to create a symphony. Mm-hmm. And when I think of orchestra and when I think about design operations, those two are semi-analogous because mm. it, as a design operations person, I'm not the maestro. I'm not the person directing and leading the tempo and the, the volume of how strong or how quiet something should be. I'm not doing that. I didn't write the score. Uh, wish I, I mean, I'm not Beethoven or Mozart, mm-hmm. but I didn't write That'd the score. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm like, forget yeah. my job. I'm going to go. Um, I'll be the next Beethoven. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, okay, I'll see you in my concert. Um, and I'm not playing the music though, either. I'm, I'm not playing the music. So what am I doing? Mm-hmm. One, I'm making sure that people are reading the right scores. So one person's reading Beethoven, the other re- is reading Mozart. That's a no-go, right? That's that's a breakdown in process. That's a breakdown in understanding what am I supposed to do here? Um, I'm making sure that people understand, okay, where am I supposed to sit? If I'm the one that is the first chair, where where should I go? And I'm I'm the one kind of making sure that they understand very clearly what is expected of them and how to prepare. Uh, I'm the person behind the scenes helping people warm up, making sure that they have what they need. And I'm making sure that the maestro knows what he's got to do. Where is his little, I call it the wand. I don't know what it's called, but it looks yeah. like a, 
yeah, like Harry Potter wand. wand. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so like here's my Harry Potter wand. Um, yeah. I'm helping kind of contrive this situation where people can come to their place without needing to think about anything else. I show up, I warm up, and I'm ready to play my music. And if you do that really well, an orchestra or a symphony sounds perfect. There are no hiccups. And, you know, it might kind of sound like, okay, it sounds like you're just kind of setting the table, but you're not at the table. So what do you do on top of that? So if we take a step back though, let's talk about strategy and that orchestra. Now in design operations, yes, you are, you are helping people make the music and come together with the most amount of clarity, happiness. They're having a happy time. They are happy musicians. Right. Um, and, and people know what they're supposed to do and how to do it. What I would also say though, and this, you know, and the strategy, then you could start partnering and helping provide the venues of talking to the maestro and whoever owns the symphony orchestra, this is now I'm getting into like hypothetical land, mm. but now you're, you're talking about and figuring out, okay, what are the forums that we need to set up so that the orchestra has the most amount of marketing, advertising, they're in the best places. Um, to play their music? What can we do to amplify and make sure that they, that their talent, their raw talent and their, their skilled talent is known by the globe? What, what are kind of these additional programs that we could put in place to make sure that this is a happy, functioning, robust and thriving organization? And so bringing that back to design operations, design operations, when we think about orchestration and optimization of people, um, that's kind of one analogy among many that I have that I think about to to amplify the value and impact at scale. So uh, happy to dig into more, it more, but that's kind of how I, I think about it. I really like that analogy. I think it really makes sense. And I guess a tangent analogy that's sort of similar is like setting up the stage for the performers to do their best work. And in a design setting, it's Maybe there's a lot of like the behind the scenes things that maybe designers themselves won't even notice, but the, really the goal is to create an environment and also a setting for designers to do their best work and to be maximize their output, make sure they're mentally healthy and also happy, as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I won't go into my Disneyland example too. I mean, that's, that's a, <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of analogies, like the pit crew of, of the F1 team. Uh, there's, there's a lot of fun things that you can, you can do to talk about the analogy of it, but yeah. a really great operations person, they do their best work when they are unseen. Like they're, mm. you know, everything is executed flawlessly. People know what they need to do to show up and they understand what is expected of them when they show up you are giving people legs, you are, you are amplifying their value by, by again, removing all the other stuff that they would otherwise have to think about so they can go there and do their job. It's a role that requires humility, grace, and comfort knowing that I may have helped one designer with this one process, but now I can scale that to everybody. So that's kind of where scale and impact can come in. And, you know, you can amplify value very quickly in, in, business metrics and happiness in many other ways. I have a follow-up on, I guess, more on the specifics of like, what are some of the things that you might implement to make the design team function better, more like make everybody healthier and like make sure that they're doing 
better work. So some things that I can think of is probably like design jams or like brainstorming sessions or even like bonding might be one. These are just some things that are on the top of my head. But yeah, we'd love to know what are some of the things that you've thought of before. Oh man, you walked into you walked into some serious territory because I'm going <laughs> to say. I'm going to tell you what every designer is going to tell you is it depends and it all depends. And here's why, because my approach and not every design ops person thinks this way, but this is the way that I think about it mm-hmm. is you're doing UX for the UXers. Taking a complete step back, you were doing organizational research to understand what are the most painful, frequent and severe needs that need to be solved and how can I solve them at scale? Like, how can I make those um, solutions help impact as many people as possible in the design org? And one of the big things that um, I do specifically, though, to answer your question is um, right now we are prioritizing a set of priorities for design operations that is heavily connected toward supporting our management and leadership so that they can amplify the effects downward to their teams and their reports. Right. What does that look like is, um, you know, it could look like making sure that managers understand just the general specifics of working at a company. And a lot of our managers and leaders are very new. So how can we support them? There's work involved in making sure that we can better integrate designers in the product delivery cycle mm. with PMs and engineers. How do we do that? What tools do we need to do? What what conversations and forums do we need to plug them into? That's that's one among many other things. But yes, there's like a people component. There's like a craft component. How can we improve the craft of the the concept all the way to the the delivery of design? Um, And then there's the operations behind all of that. Like, you know, kind of the sometimes not so fun stuff like budgeting. (laughs) I don't Mm. I don't particularly enjoy budgeting. Um, but making sure that, again, people know what they need to do. I used to take a financial accounting course back in, uh, I think, a few semesters ago. Gosh, I'm was, sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was, uh, I I was really afraid that I wasn't going to pass that class. Thank God I did. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not a numbers person. Yeah, it was, I, yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Virtual hug. I hope you're okay. <laughs> Mental support. <laughs> yeah, that's not my strength and some, not something that I enjoy doing as well. So there's, there's kind of a nice, it's kind of nice knowing like, okay, there's a, there's nothing else to think about other than this one number that I crunched and this is the answer. That's always kind of nice when you live in a world of high ambiguity, but I'll take like that for less than five percent of my time and then like the other the other 95 i would rather do other things but i I feel you man i feel you yeah oh dark times but (laughs) i know (laughs) we'll put a bumper sticker with your face on it like i've seen things (laughs) yeah that's my that's my accomplishment at tufts currently I would also love to delve into another topic, and I learned a lot during our first chat when we were discussing about this, which is revolved around the theme of planning your career early on. So during our previous one-on-one conversation, one thing that you showed me 
that I really found it fascinating was how you plan your career early on um, when you're still exploring different options. Do you mind sharing with the listeners how you planned your career early on? Yeah. So in my 20s, with this high volatility, a lot of unknowns, desperately seeking for my path where I can find, be the most fulfilled, but also challenged. I decided that, well, I acknowledge one, uh, I am facing some pretty intense imposter syndrome, like, holy crap. Uh, how, who the heck am I? <laughs> what, what am I doing? I just graduated and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but now what? Like that, that didn't pan out. And this is kind of where you get introspective and you look like, you know, I, I am a firm believer that frustration leads to growth. Mm -hmm. um, you really should feel a little frustrated in your twenties. If it's sunshine and rainbow is good for you. That's great. But I feel like in frustration and those elements of fire, you start to build from coal a diamond, right? Um, a diamond of an idea or a diamond of a process or a diamond of a solution. Mm -hmm. And I was in a, I was deeply frustrated in my twenties. Um, a lot of imposter syndrome and I, I didn't know, I didn't know who I was. And again, I, I feel like that's healthy to a point, you know, that frustration, like lean into that, dig into yourself. Don't just let it be like a annoying, like gnat near your ear, just address it head on. So what I did was I looked into myself and my central tendencies, if I can't figure it out, there's got to be a solution. There's got to be a way where I can attack this problem and move forward. What am I good at? I'm good at planning, good at kind of taking a step back and analyzing and, and pulling in a lot of different amounts of information into a simplified plan and quote unquote simplified for me, it was simple. Um, but for others, they might, their jaw might, their jaw might <laughs> just mm -hmm. crazy spreadsheet of like, holy, yeah. holy hell. Um, but essentially develop, devising a system uh, of which it would, uh, it would force me a forcing function that would force me to figure out where did I want, where was I now? Mm -hmm. Where do I want to go in terms? And, and I was looking in my twenties, I, I didn't look as big as I'm looking now. Um, but where was I now? Okay. Here's my set of skills. Here's where I think I am with these skills. What do I want to do next? And what is the Delta there? What do I need to get there? And from those big questions, you start to figure out, okay, well, what opportunities do I have? Do I go to conferences? Do I take additional education? Am I, you know, to me, my, my standard, my benchmark is how do I give back what I know to help others? Like that to me is a standard of certain leadership that takes a while to attain, but right. you know, I'm, I'm not bashful enough to say like, Hey, after a year, I'm, I'm sure I've learned something. I'm going to tell you about the thousands of ways I failed and you'll learn something from that. Mm. Um, and so anyway, the system was devised and the system ended up being a spreadsheet and it's available online. There's a template. I'm probably going to do another pass on it. Cause I, mm -hmm. I've actually been reusing it now. Because I'm again in a state of volatility where, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not quite comfortable. I'm a little frustrated right now. I'm a little frustrated, good frustration. I'm, I'm happy with my life. I love my job. The people around me are, are incredible, but I'm frustrated. Why? Like, why am I frustrated? What am I trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And 
again, lean into those periods of frustration and figure out either your simplified plan or, or a series of things that you want to test and experiment. And that's what I did. And I created this, my, what I call the big ass career planning framework. And I mapped out grad school. I mapped out skill sets, competencies, Vac I added some vacations in there to just make sure it wasn't the most boring <laughs> spreadsheet or sad <laughs> spreadsheet ever. I'm like, hey, yeah. here's some fun stuff I get to do too. Yeah, um, but also fun. tracking. Yeah, yeah. you got to keep, you know, help yourself out. Make things a little bit of, give yourself a little bit of conditioning, you know, like, hey, for every goal, you give yourself a Skittle or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but also I tracked what were the skill, what were the things that I, I could accomplish and start giving back that denoted leadership. So speaking at a conference, writing articles, maybe writing a book one day. Um, and now thinking about now my, my big ass career planning spreadsheet, yeah. um, you know, things are changing. There are big skill sets that I don't have that I need to get to where I want to go. And now I need to kind of break down how am I going to get there in these chunks, right? In these very easy to grasp and complete chunks to get to the point where, okay, I've taken the four classes I need and now it's just going to be a crap ton of practice mm. just over, over and over again. Cause you know, classes are going to give you the foundation or, you know, however you want to learn, get a foundation yeah. and then apply it, learn it, use it. Um, so it's not a skill that becomes dead and create, create, fail and, figure out what are the big things that drive you. And before you even start doing the minutia of like, okay, here's like the, the master plan or the main plan of everything you need to do, take a step back all the way back and figure out why am I doing this? Ask yourself the five whys or what I do. Think about who you're going to be when you're 80 years old, close your eyes. Who's around you? What have you accomplished? What are you proud of? What have you done? How have you given back? What is your legacy? And I meditated on that for quite a while to help me figure out why I was frustrated. And that kind of helped me visualize, okay, I want a bigger community of people. I'm in my thirties. A lot of my friends have moved away. Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert. So it's kind of hard for me to make a lot of new friends. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Community of people. I can build that. That's doable. I want to be a web comic. I want to create web comics. And, the, you know, having a big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG, you know, maybe be on Funimation or Crunchyroll with my anime one day, you oh, know, who, yeah. what, what, one out of a million gajillion so cool. people, right? It'd be, but it's, nice, it's be... nice to live in that dream, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, even if I don't get there, I will have done a lot of cool freaking things trying yeah. to get to there. And I will have learned a lot about myself. And again... Yeah. You're, you're persevering or pivoting. It's it. Nothing's locked in stone. It's just, a, it's just a template. It's just mm -hmm. a spreadsheet. You can change that anytime. With my career, lots of volatility there too. I'm so happy with what I do, but how can I get to that next level where I'm a leader, where I have authority in certain spaces, where I can give back, mentor others mm -hmm. um, and grow. And, you know, you ask yourself these big questions of what am I trying to accomplish? And you build that in and you learn from what you chase and you give yourself grace for the things that you don't have enough passion or time or energy to follow. And you just go as fast as you can, knowing that, you know, we are all very busy people with a lot of different priorities, but that's how I accomplished what I accomplished. I mean, I got, I looked at my spreadsheet from four years, five years ago, 
-hmm. no longer than that, six, seven years ago. And I was astounded by all the things that I checked off. I did 80% of the things that I've listed in that spreadsheet. It was pretty cool to see, oh, cool. I, I did do stuff and I often forget what I do. So yeah, I did that. Oh, I did speak at that conference. Oh, I did write that article and Heck, now I'm on a podcast, so yeah. <laughs> I've lived a life. That's probably like, the highest achievement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I've made it. I did a podcast. I'm done. <laughs> I'm so honored. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I was like, whoa, what? I, I felt so. I felt so cool. I was like, oh man, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I. First off, um, I'm definitely going to include your article about your spreadsheet. In the show notes for anybody who's interested and just for context the first time i saw it i was like holy like crap like <laughs> this, <laughs> like, like, if this is simple, <laughs> <laughs> i was like if if this is simple then yeah it's yeah I, i'll just put it in the show notes and then um if people's interested they can check it out for sure um <laughs> make sure you're sitting so you don't faint <laughs> <laughs> there's so much there <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of stuff um but i yeah it's just really fascinating to see how meticulously planned out your career and i think one follow-up that i had was that how do you i guess because i feel like the purpose of a template or it's spreadsheet creating those type of like planning documents is hoping that it's not going to deviate from the original like master plan that you created i feel like that's i don't know i don't want to generalize but at least for me i have a hard time of like after i create this master plan and then something just goes completely like different um it takes time for me to like adjust and like come back regroup yeah i'm curious if anything like those happened where you did not expect anything that wasn't in the plan basically yeah it's it's easy to me, making the plan, it was a comfort. Mm-hmm. It helped me feel a lot more comfortable about the direction I was going because I was in, in, an, in a space where I was somewhat wayward. Now I knew kind of a series of paths that I could take. But you're right. The scary thing, and I, I think it's a mental model that we make around spreadsheets where we're like, we plug it in and we get a function and outputs Right. Career happiness achieved. Like I put in the function, I did it. Um, yeah, it's like and, a and that's definitely yeah. that's absolutely. And I've I've explored the. I I acknowledge and agree, like absolutely, that it's very easy to anchor on all of the machinations and all of the work you've done to figure out. Okay, this is, you know, you feel like Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like he's pointing at the wall. If anybody knows that meme. You know, that's kind of how I felt building it. But you're like, okay, if I do A, then B will happen. And if B happens, that opens up the doors for C and D, then I can make a choice. Life isn't like that. Life is not a spreadsheet. But, and so the cautionary tale here is don't don't anchor on it and be willing to change things up. The second thing that I would I would challenge your your listeners to is if there's another way, build it. And there's no one right way to figure out your life. Yeah. It might not even be a spreadsheet. It might be a post-it note or a digital whiteboard like Big Jam or chat having a long chat with a, a trusted mm-hmm. friend where you start to figure these things out. I personally feel like there's power though to taking an idea and putting it somewhere, writing it down somewhere. So whether you have a notebook, a journal, a post-it note, 
or the big ass spreadsheet. Yeah. Whatever works for you, do it. And you and and this is what you're going to figure out about yourself over time as you grow and become uh, a lot more experienced and skilled in the things that work for you. But that's what your 20s are for. Mm-hmm. Do you, I don't even I don't know if I knew or would even appreciate all the stuff I'm doing now if I would just gave it to myself when I was 20, you know, 10 years, you know, 14 years ago dating myself. So absolutely agree. The caution there is to that. Yeah. You might anchor on it, but also use that to, you know, if you're a designer, use that design thinking and apply it to your life, discover what you want. Does you know, define what it is. What's the problem there? What's the frustration design a whole set of solutions, you know, diverge, explore, and then you can converge and then invest more time in the things that you want to do. And also being introspective, reflecting along this very chaotic, high volatility journey that everybody is on. And also maybe writing it down and trying to process it. Hold your feet during this process. Um, yeah, I'm definitely doing that 20s phase. I just turned 21 very recently. Congratulations. Um, Happy you. birthday. Yeah. Honestly, on the day, I didn't feel that much. But yeah, I feel like a lot of things will start happening not expecting too much, but I think I'm just following the flow and just see how everything turns out. And like I can already tell you, you're, you're doing great. And, you know, you enjoy it. Your 20s are, it's easy to tell you now that I, it's going to go in one ear, not the other. I know because it would have for me, but there's a lot of pressure to know and to, to know what you want to be and to chase that for the next 10 years of your life until you hit your 30s, right? And continue chasing, right? You're always going to be chasing something. But I think the way that you're approaching it is, and whatever way works for you works for you, right? Um, there's no one right way. But the, what I would say is take the time to make space to love yourself because that's it's really easy to just keep looking forward and not taking a step to take care of the person right in front of, right in front of the mirror, right? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, be frustrated, but also give yourself a pat on the back because you've, you know, a lot of the people that are listening have already probably accomplished so much. Mm-hmm. Um, take stock of those accomplishments because it's very easy to forget. At least for me, I, I forget. I forget all the things that I do. I won't forget mm-hmm. this though. Like podcasts, I'm going to talk to <laughs> call my mom. I'm like, hey mom, I'm like, I have oh a podcast. <laughs> I feel so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, it's like. Even better than getting an anime on Crunchyroll. No, just... yeah, yeah, gosh, forget anime and Crunchyroll podcast. I did. <laughs> but please don't let me know if you do eventually. Hell yeah. On. Yeah, that would be, be incredible. I'm, cool. I'm searching. I'm, right now I'm in discovery mode where I'm like, how did they do it? And what connections do I need to have in order to break in? Do I need right. to learn Japanese? So I'm asking myself a lot of questions, <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm. it's starting. You, you know, you're, I'm, I'm laying down the foundation. I think this actually ties in well to the final question that I always like to ask my guests, which is if you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old, so during college times, what career slash life advice will you tell the young Jackie? Ooh, hey, young Jackie. (laughs) What's up? Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. And I, I thought 
I thought long and hard about this question. And I wonder if I would have listened to myself if I mm-hmm. just walked into past Jackie's life and gave just dropped advice and then dropped my mic and walked away. You know, I open up my Rick and Morty portal and mm-hmm. then go back to my 30s like, peace, <laughs> you know, there you go. Wisdom. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, and this is kind of where the grace comes in, right? The grace to to know thyself. Uh, and I'm not the most, I'm not a religious person really, but uh, I think there's a lot of um, things to be taken there where one, what, what was I... Like who, who was that person when I was 20? Cause I, I'm pretty sure I've forgotten. Mm. I've forgotten the, who I was when I was 20. That was 14 years ago. That was a long time ago. That was a mm. lifetime ago for many. And I would have wanted to use uh, a method of really getting to know her again first before and building that trust before I, I give her advice or, change change the timeline i don't know if i would become a jackie fairy that i I get zapped you know really understanding her problems and fears her insecurities what are her wants her goals her aspirations and try to humanize that person in front of me because i kind of feel like i'd be talking to a little sister where it's very simple very easy i have a little sister where Mm. little she's grown amazing always a little sister she's a little sister you know but it's like it's very easy to kind of like put them in like an archetype and then forget Mm. that they're an actual person underneath so you know if if past jackie's open and willing you know i'd have a heart and heart a heart to heart discussion with her Mm -hmm. essentially discussing the possibilities and Mm. painting the picture telling her to invest in Google stock. Mm. Uh, I'm just uh, get, get a Tesla early uh, before you wait years to get a Tesla. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really like help her, help guide her through a series of questions so that if anything, I instigate, and hopefully she doesn't go to therapy after, because gosh, what, what a thing. <laughs> but, you know, really inst- instigate the kernels of thought that hopefully blossom into new pathways that bring her greater happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I would wish for anybody if I were to go back and help them is, you know, that I help you with a, like a modicum of, of help. And then, I, then I'm like, wait, but you better marry this guy, like marry your husband, he's incredible. Like make sure you <laughs> after two cats, like they're called Alfie and Eggie, um, mm. Elmo's coming pretty soon. So yeah. there's also things where I'm like, oh, do I want to change the timeline? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. to be honest, you know, um, I, I, think, I think the things that don't change is, you know, don't be so hard on yourself and, and mm-hmm. it's okay to feel insecure, but just know that you're you're doing great because you're young in your 20s. Get that PhD early. That way you're done. You know, get into UX research. That's something that you're probably going to like and be really good at. Yeah, I'd probably drop drop those kernels that I that I tell her like start drawing now. Like start taking drawing classes because you're going to have some really <laughs> cool ideas yeah, uh, in your yeah. 30s. And then you're going to be kicking yourself because you can't draw anything. Um, no, that's but... not. <laughs> I've seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but before yeah. yeah, before saying that, you would try to understand her. I think yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah, just humanizing the person in front of you because, like, if somebody, I'm just t- taking it as an example. If I came to you and I said, 
well, you don't know me, <laughs> but here's what you got to do. Like, mm. I know all the things you got to do. And if I drop that knowledge, it, you know, without yeah. an established trust and, and deep empathy with the person in front of you and really understanding what the, what are they trying? What are their goals? Mm-hmm. How can you map advice or, or help and support if it doesn't map to their goals or there is an established trust? And I, and you would probably want to start there, like just as if you were going to approach an old friend or approach a, a person that you want to be an old friend or, or a close friend. Um, and then the last thing I would do is give Jackie a big hug because I think she needed it in her 20s, like a big tight hug. Tell her everything's going to be fine. Besides, you know, part of part of your house blowing up, which is what happened <laughs> recently. Um, oh, besides no. that, mm-hmm. like everything's cool. Mm-hmm. Everything will be all right. And you're going to have some pretty tough lows. Mm-hmm but you're going to have some pretty incredible highs and you're going to have a really good crew of people to help support you through every trough and valley of your life. So that's, that's where I would probably, that's kind of how I would probably approach that. Love that. Yeah. I love the starting point of, instead of just like spitting out here, here's what you should do. Um, (laughs) Trying to understand what the young Jackie wants and yeah, understanding her needs and, when you mentioned Google stocks, it was kind of funny because actually in one of the episodes, I think it was seven or eight, the, the same, the, the other guys actually said the same thing. Stocks you want to buy money in Roblox. <laughs> yeah. So when you said that, I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's so funny. Yeah. Because that was the first thing. Well, okay. Yeah. Rephrasing. He was like, I asked him the question and then he was like, okay, so first thing, invest in Google stocks. Actually, never mind to be like all serious <laughs> yeah like the then, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just find that so like interesting um yeah it's it's cool to see patterns across i think that's definitely how should i say this like starting out understanding empathizing with the person it's it's really something that i guess designers like design people um innately do but i feel like just everybody should should be doing it I mean, it's not just a designer thing. Like yeah. it's a very fundamental thing. It's kind of like a doctor though, right? Like I feel like, and this might be a completely wrong assumption, but a lot of the doctors that I know, um, friends of mine and just my regular doctors, it's a lot of do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do, are we, do we over empathize so much at work that we forget to do that at home in UX design? Mm-hmm. Just like a doctor is spending so much time thinking about health at their workplace, but then they forget to be healthy with themselves at home, which is something that happens a lot. Um, so just taking a step back, the, the biggest lesson that I learned was, you know, I'm also a person worthy of love mm-hmm. and, you know, giving myself a hug, you, you know, that love can start with yourself first. You know, our, our designers in the design community, we, we are empathetic beings. We want to build things that improve the lives of other people. But start with yourself, you know, take a beat and think about what kind of life do you want to build for yourself? What would be the, what would make you the happiest version of yourself and what do you need to get there? And that's going to change a lot in many, many aspects of your life. Life is unpredictable. And I think that is a wonderful conclusion to our conversation. I know we went way over time, but I'm so happy that we got to chat and yeah, Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time to join I on had, the show. I had such a great time being here. Thank you so much. It was really an honor. 
Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show. And I'll see you in the next episode.